Welcome back to Create Out Loud with me, Jen Loudon. Hey, I'm going to help you find freshness in your creative projects this week. I'm going to help you find the wonder because we all need it. We need freshness. We need newness. We need fresh perspectives to keep creating. It's essential. Before we jump into the episode, I got a little news flash for you. Instagram reinstated my account. Now, if you've been around here for any length of time, they banned my account like last September or something, and we couldn't figure out why. We thought maybe it was because I said the word vagina, but anyway, long, long story. They reinstated my account. So if you're on Instagram, I'm at Jen Loud and love to see you there. Say hi so we can connect. Tell me what you'd love me to be posting there. And then the other really cool thing, I'm having a blast on TikTok. I know. It is a really cool platform and I'm making super informative, uplifting videos about writing and content creation and why bother. So if you're not on TikTok yet, just check it out. You will have to notice though on TikTok that even if you follow me, you won't see many of my videos. TikTok is a platform that introduces you to new people. So you often have to get in the habit of just going to my page and filling up on Jen. But it's really, really fun. I'm having a blast and that's what it's all about, right? Having fun, just like I do creating this podcast every week. My guest this week is Andrea Scher, and we go back decades, and she has a wonderful, wonderful book. You need this book. It also makes a fantastic gift. It's called Wonder Seeker. You will love it. It's gorgeous and inspiring. It's one of those books you just keep looking at to get ideas from. And this is a really different kind of episode because Andrea and I decided to interview each other, and she's going to publish this episode as well on her podcast, The Creative Superheroes. So if you don't know that podcast, you will love it if you love this one. Without further ado, let's get into talking about wonder and ambition as you age and desire and why bother and lots of other juicy stuff. So Andrea, I have this image of meeting you the very first time you worked for Cirque. He did. And I don't know why I was in the office. I don't remember that part, but I just remember just thinking you were the most delightful human. Oh, it's no wonder, (laughs) pun intended, (laughs) that you went on to write this just Mm. a wonderful, luscious book, Wonder Seeker, 52 Ways to Wake Up Your Creativity and Find Your Joy. This book's been out for a few months now. What role is wonder playing in your creative life these days? Because mm. we know as creatives, right? We have a message and we craft yeah. it. It takes on a life of its own for other people, but then how does it still live for you? Yeah, you know, I think at the moment, the way it's living for me is one of the practices that I share in the book, which is about wonder spotting, which is really like a practice of cataloging, like I'm putting on my wonder goggles, I'm going outside, even if it's just a lap around the block so I can move my body after being on Zoom for so many hours. And I'm putting on my wonder goggles. And that means I'm asking myself this question, what is beautiful or interesting in my environment right now? Simple question. It orients you, it orients your attention, it drops you into the moment. It's my mindfulness, it's movement, it's beauty seeking, it's creative. It's, it's all the things that I love most in one little practice. I think that that practice alone of cataloging these, these small pleasures, these small bits of beauty orients me toward what is still good in the world. Because if you watch the news, it's everything is terrible. And it really is. It's really a mess. It can feel like the world is falling apart. It can feel like we are falling apart. It can feel like there is no hope. We can go into collapse. And I think that to stay buoyant and to stay resilient, we need to be tracking for what is also good. That's how I do it. 
I wonder for you, like, I imagine you have similar practices. You live in a beautiful place. You're a very active person. Yeah. How do you (laughs) keep yourself buoyant and feel positive and feel like the world is still a good place to live in? I like to go for wonder walks too and look for something I haven't noticed before, especially since I walk the dogs on almost the exact same route. Yeah. Because I have a real tendency to put myself in a box and the a box of efficiency and get stuff done. And right. one of the things I try to orient towards is this is my life. Yeah. This is my life. And I don't want to be rushing through it. I just, I just ran a half marathon a couple of days ago and I was like, my God, wait, hold on. (laughs) Holy (laughs) shit. That's amazing. Congratulations. And I didn't sleep the few nights before. And so I woke up being like, I just got to get through this. I just got to get through this. And I stopped. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't want to get through it. This is my life. And it's, it was in Moab. It's this extraordinarily beautiful route Mm -hmm. by the Colorado river. And I'm like, I want to be present for it. Even if it's painful, even if I poop Mm -hmm. my pants, I want to be present for it. (laughs) Love what you just said. Like, like, I want to be there for it, even if it's painful. That's parenthood. That's everything. <laughs> that's, that's caring for elders, right? Yeah. That's everything. That's life. I want to be there. And it also speaks to something that is so important to me, which is what range of things are we allowing ourselves to feel? One of the things that I talk about in my book and that is just important to me is like, it's that Brene Brown thing of like, if we're numbing our pain, then we're also numbing our joy. There's two ends of the spectrum, right? And like the spectrum of feeling, it's like, okay, then what we're doing is we're just narrowing what we're willing to feel in a life, like widen that range. And I want to feel all of it. I want to feel all the joy, which means that I also have to feel the yucky stuff. And what role has wonder played, if at all, in this pandemic flatness. I feel like there's been this flattening and even now where we're going out more and we're doing more things, but I feel like there's just this insipid flatness Mm -hmm. that I'm almost like, I'm trying to break it up. Like you would break up ice or Mm. it's hard. Like, I just want to stay with the comfortable rut that we've been in. Yeah. Are you finding anything from the book or any of your practices or helping with that? Or is it just going to take time? It's a great question. And I think Adam Grant is the one who's talking, he wrote an essay for the Atlantic or something about like languishing and the meh that we're all feeling, right? The New York Times. During 2020, I was writing the book. I got the book deal during 2020 and I was actually writing the book that summer. The book really, me protecting the energy of the book. So I needed to write a book that was a little beacon of hope for the world. And it was a bright light. And so I needed to protect the energy of the book and keep the vibration really high, even inside of a world that was very scary. And we were all really anxious the practice of orienting toward goodness and joy was very much like a very concentrated practice when I was writing the book. And it had a huge positive effect. I think Mm -hmm. I had one of the best years of my life that year, which sounds outrageous, even though there was loss, there was all the things that, you know, we were all experiencing. So that was proof to me that there is something to the, the, just the micro practice of scanning for what's also here, which I was just describing. So there's that. So, yeah, but I think what you're asking is like, where's our aliveness? What are we reaching for now? This is a nice maybe segue into it, like a why bother conversation, because I noticed that as I get older, 
my ambition wanes. I'm noticing that now that this big dream of a book has come true for me, I'm like, oh, what are my dreams now? I don't know that I dreamed beyond that book. That was my big dream for so many years. So I guess I want to turn it back to you and say, what do you know about why bother when life is falling apart or it seems like it? Yeah. What comes up for you? Two things. One, the fallow time after a project. Oh, good point. Yeah. It's really hard because our culture doesn't celebrate that. We don't run into each other in the grocery store and say, what are you up to these days? What are you making? And well, I'm in the fallow time and we don't go, yeah, I'm so glad for you, right? I mean, maybe in Berkeley, but- In Berkeley, you can spin it in a nice way, yeah. So I think that is related to Why Bother? Because what I discovered when I was writing the book, Why Bother? Discover the desire for what's next, Mm. is that we don't want to be in that liminal space. Right. Our brains aren't built for it. Our culture is not built for it. We're Mm. built to know certainty, to want certainty and to move ahead. Mm. And what happens when we're in a why bother time, whether it's just around our work or our relationships or our whole life is we don't want to hang out in that liminal space and actually find experience, savor, just the desire, the desire for the Mm. perfect croissant, the desire to just go out and take pictures again. You're a photographer. You've done some of my photographs the desire to experience wonder without having to produce something. And Mm. I think that's where I short circuit myself. And I will say I'm doing better at it, but it's still, it's a real practice to use that word, a theme of the conversation. So I've gotten better allowing myself to be in that liminal space and not be creating something that's going to be clear or have certainty or get me anything And I'm in this too with you. I'm right here with you, even though my book's been out for two years almost, is cultivating that desire, just desire itself, just pleasure itself, just wonder itself and not having it need to mean anything, not having it need to go anywhere. And that's the piece that I keep having to work. And I think out of that, naturally, curiosities will arise. And maybe it'll be for another book. Maybe it'll be another for one of your online courses, maybe for a retreat that you do, or maybe for your own paintings that you make. Mm. But it's there. I really believe it's there, but it just needs its own timeline and attention. And it can't be commoditized Mm -hmm. too soon. No, that's so true. I think that, you know, even yesterday I was doing my first in-person book event book. These people have never even held my book before. And then when somebody was like, so what's next, what are you doing next? And I was like, uh, which is like a fair question. And, you know, she was curious, but it's like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to have an answer to that. It's like, no, maybe not. Kind of reminds me too, of this isn't exactly a practice, but like something I was just playing with is like anytime this is pre COVID, but anyone time someone asks me, how are you doing? People often say, oh, I'm so busy. And I practice saying, you know, I'm not busy at all. It's been really great. And I would just start like putting in a good word for not being busy. And it really helped me realize actually how not busy I was like in in that sort of manic, crazy, like I have no time. It helped me understand that I actually had plenty of time. So sometimes these are just things that we say, okay, well, Mm -hmm. what's next? And it's like, you don't have to have a good answer, but there's already something life is working on you. We're creative creatures. Life is actually working on you and something is happening beneath the soil. What I hear you saying is that when we put a 
expectation on it. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the expectation would be from this person, maybe when's your next book coming out? When we take those frames or silos or expectations off and just say, I trust that I'm a creative creature right. and that I'm going to pay attention to yeah. what is arising next. So for example, a few episodes ago, I had Sue Monk kid on. And one of her favorite things to say is you need to take your own breath away at least Ooh. once in your life. And she talked about how she took her own breath away when the idea came for her last book, The Book of Longing, when she envisions Jesus's wife's life. And by the way, y'all, Jesus's wife is a writer in her envisioning. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And she took her own breath away with the audacity of imagining a historical figure that, that Jesus was married and this was his wife. And so I've set the quiet, faithful intention to take my own breath away with my next mm-hmm. idea. I've also set the intention that it doesn't need to be big, mm-hmm. quote marks. It doesn't need to be public. It may be, but it may not be. And I think what you're speaking to is how I hear this theme over and over again in the podcast. We have to be willing to let our creativity go where it's going to go. And that doesn't mean we don't have to say, and I'm going to do this because I have to pay the bills. There's a faithfulness to that wildness and Mm. freshness that I haven't always kept because Mm -hmm. I've made a living as a creator for 30 years. You're reminding me of one of the questions I have for you, which is we are so oriented toward like creating for the market and creating for everybody. And it's like, well, wait a minute maybe we need to right-size these aspirations. Like you can get into like a why bother if only a few hundred people are going to read it. Like, should you still bother? Yeah, well, I get this question a lot from writing students and clients. And today I have a nonfiction mastermind. So everyone in it is a woman who is Mm -hmm. working on some kind of nonfiction project, mostly books. And one woman said, I have had the dream of writing since I was five years old. Now I've heard this countless times. eight years old, middle school, high school, college. What violence do we do to ourselves Mm -hmm. when we put the marketplace, capitalism, popularity, whatever label it is for you personally listening ahead of our own soul? I mean, I'm again, I'm not being a Pollyanna here. I have supported my family for decades. You do too. We're very practical business people who have to make a certain amount of money to keep Mm -hmm. things going. To equate that with, I don't have the right, or this is a waste of time. Right. That's where I think we mess ourselves up and fall into my mother. It makes me long for the olden days of blogging. (laughs) Back in 2003, when I was blogging, I didn't even know how many people were were reading because there was no site counter on my website at that time. They were called site counters. I remember those. Remember those? I didn't even know you could install one. And so I had no idea who I was talking to. There were like five people who commented. And I thought, oh, great. There's five people reading my blog. And of course, not of course. But like, it turns out over the, over those first couple of years, there were thousands of people reading it, which I didn't realize, but it was so cozy back then. It felt like the time of my life when I was doing nail art, like postal art. And it was this sort of like extension of the Dadaist movement. We were making really elaborate pieces of art for each other at small scale. And we were sending them in the mail to one person, like one person saw it. And that was totally delightful and exciting. Just think like this whole Instagram followers, like even my children, you know, they're so wrapped up in that. My um, God, he was probably seven years old. One of my sons asked my ex-husband, how many hits does Martin Luther King have? Like on his, like on his YouTube or something, how many hits does he get? 
It was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. I want to say something about that, but I want to go back because I didn't really answer your question about ambition as yeah. we age. I think our ambition does change because we know the cost of pursuing our dreams. Mm. And so we don't know. When I wrote my first book, I was 27. Wow. I didn't know what it was going to do for me. I didn't know what it was going to take to get it out there. I didn't know the the pleasures and joys or the disappointments. Mm. But we know that now and it is the price of wisdom. Also, I will add that often our dreams, even if they're come from a very authentic place in us, We also are like, I want to prove myself. I want to show how smart I am. I want to show that I have a voice and like, I matter. Like those things too, that we're doing. And as we age, we're like, yeah, I'm not really into that anymore. I'm kind of good, right? But you say something very important there, Andrea, which is that I think those are developmental milestones. And when I see people not pursue those developmental milestones, it doesn't matter whether they're successful or not. Yeah. But they go into the arena yes. and they fight for what matters to them, whether it's the corporate ladder or getting a book published or a certain amount of revenue in your business or mm. art gallery represents you or, you know, you try for that show on Broadway. Yeah. We put ourselves out there and that's where we learn and grow. And the, mm. what I worry is for, especially for people who identify as women who don't have the support or the encouragement to do that, because I know that I have become a different person mm. because I kept putting, doing, putting myself out there, whether it worked or not. If I understand you correctly, that it's actually a developmental phase or developmental milestone that we we actually need to pursue, like where we are sort of proving ourselves in the world, who we become in the pursuit of that thing, how much how braver we become, how much more confident, like whatever the, those gifts are that we cultivate. That's the point. That's the point. I love that. The wins are nice. I mean, they really are, but they they don't last. And I'm saying that having built a lot of things on some wins, that's not what changed me, I don't think. I actually think the failures have changed me more in the embarrassments and the humiliations, of which there have been many. <laughs> more yeah. than the wins, I would say. But wow. that might be my negativity bias speaking. Would you be willing to give us an example of one of those? Getting on Oprah and flubbing spectacularly. Oh, really? I didn't know that. You know, all people remember is, oh, she was on Oprah. If you ever see the interview, you're like, God, that wasn't a very good interview. You look nervous as hell. You were wearing a borrowed suit because I thought I should look a certain way. I got kind of pissy with Oprah because I thought the reason I thought the segment that they had had me on for was kind of stupid. That would be a spectacular humiliation. Uh, And I actually, I didn't realize I quite flubbed the way I had. So I had almost every human I knew watch it when it premiered with me. And when it was over, when my second was over, there was this moment of dead silence. in the Really? So it wasn't just your perception? No. (laughs) Years later, I hired someone for media training Uh for another book tour. And we all watched and they're like, yeah, that wasn't great. Oh my God. Thank you for sharing that. We can all relate. And you were so brave because you put yourself out there like at the highest level, like, wow, what an awesome opportunity. How brave were you to show up for that? I probably would have had a panic attack and like been in the toilet or something like before that show. 
One last thing about, about aging and ambition, the things that motivated us before have changed. And so yeah. then if we go back to where we were with our why bother conversation, mm-hmm. where is the desire now? Mm-hmm. And are we willing to be beginners and have a beginner's mind with it? Are we willing to have it take different forms? Yeah. And are we willing to be patient enough to listen And these are the questions I'm asking myself right now. Like, am I willing to be patient enough? Am I willing to disappoint people too? If we change forms or we change how we work with people. A couple of things that that come up for me when you say that. One is just this idea of desire in general and desire Mm -hmm. in women and this relationship that we have to our desires because we are conditioned and trained to track other people's wants and needs before our own. So sometimes our desires don't really make it online. They don't really get in front of us. And we're like, well, what do you want? And we're like, freeze. I have no idea what I want. Even that question yesterday was like, what are you doing next? I was like, "Mm, I don't know. I guess I'm supposed to have something next. So just want to name that. Sometimes it takes some work for us to understand what our desires are. Always ongoing dialogue. It's never fixed. Yeah. It's never fixed. I mean, sometimes I have a hard time telling my husband what I want. This man that loves me unconditionally and entirely, you know, have a hard time telling the cab driver, roll up the window. And then when we're even sitting down and being like, okay, I'm going to write my, you know, my Mondo Biondo list, for example, from my class I used to teach. Okay. Well, what do I want? The first like thing that's in the way is, well, that's not practical. So it's like, okay, well, what's practical. Right. And then it's like, oh, well, you'll never get that. You're too old. And it's like, okay, that's not realistic. There's all these little doors that sort of slam in front of you. And then suddenly you're in this room full of doors that have slammed. And you're like, I don't know what I want anymore. And it's like, no. It's a great image. And so I love asking people kind of backdoor questions if we're using the door metaphor. It's like, what do you secretly want? I ask, I like whispering to people, like, what do you secretly want? And they're like, I want to quit everything and float in the water in a beautiful place, like whatever it is, like, that's a great way to just start opening up. Like, what do you need? What are you hungry for? Some people are just hungry to rest. And we do so quickly override those desires. And I think when we do, that's why we fall into why bother. Yeah. Because there's a part of us that just gives up. And I think that part of us is sort of the conduit between what we might call our soul or the thread that runs through our lives or our energy, meaning, purpose. I don't know if it matters what we call it, but that Mm. connection has to be open. And it doesn't matter if we can get it exactly. I think there's a lot of life force in our desire. And when we are cutting our desire off, I mean, one of my big threads of my life story is like cutting off my sexual desire for many years. Mm -hmm. And what happens to your system at large, when you cut off that part of yourself, when you cleave that off, you actually cleave off a lot of your aliveness. Getting that back online was a very big opening for me, a big life-changing experience. I think there's something in the culture that it's like, it's good to people put other people first. It's good to not want much. No, no, I don't need anything to be low maintenance or whatever. And I'm kind of practicing like, what if I was high maintenance? What if I had a lot of needs? What if I was really needy? Like all these things that are very transgressive to be as a woman. What if I was really hungry? All the time. I love that. Heather Harvalosky said in her interview, I want to be ravenous. Oh, yeah. And I think desire and creativity are so, and creating out loud are so intimately related. They are. What's inspiring you lately, Jen? Oh, I was just going to ask you the same question. That's you terrible. were? Oh, we had a little mind meld. Yeah. I got you first. Tell me. 
What's inspiring me? I became a runner late in life. I was almost 54. I really fell in love with it. I fell in love with the toughness of it. I fell in love with trail running. Uh, my husband mm-hmm. fell in love with it. We were doing it together. Then I really lost my love for it. In the last couple of years, a lot of that was the pandemic. It was just something I did for mood maintenance. And then I started to kind of fall in love with it again the last month. That's very interesting to me, this idea of how do we stay fresh with the things that we're still doing in our life? How do we stay out of that rote? Mm-hmm. I'm doing this. Why am I doing this? How does it make mm-hmm. me feel? So that's mm-hmm. inspiring me. Verbs are inspiring me. Verbs? Verbs. Oh, verbs. Verbs. <laughs> verbs. Tell me. <laughs> Tell me about the verbs and the verbs. <laughs> Playing with another level of craft in my writing and not just being in that efficiency mode. If I got to write, I've got to write a newsletter this week. Mm-hmm. Trying to find the joy and the pleasure mm-hmm. of the craft of writing again. Getting dressed is kind of inspiring me again after mm-hmm. wearing the same sweatpants, which I do have on right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I led an in-person event at the end of last year for the first time. And I like got so excited about planning my outfits. I was going to (laughs) wear. That's so fun. Well, what's inspiring you? Yeah. Well, one thing I just want to say is that a part of wonder is novelty. Like when one way into wonder is novelty. When you go somewhere new, for example, you see something new, even in a new restaurant, it's kind of exciting, right? There's a kind of wonder that we can find even planning new outfits, having new clothes, going on a new trail that you've never gone on before can help wake us up again to what we and love. I feel like the word for me right now is reemergence mm. and really inspiring myself to reemerge and not just fall back onto the couch and the Netflix to make that effort to go see those new things and really see yeah. them like doing that run, even though I'd done that course before and really like I kept looking up and out and up and out. Mm. What's inspiring you? Yeah. So a couple of things are inspiring me. One is in the realm of of moving my body, Zumba. I didn't know Zumba was so fun. (laughs) Super fun. So I've been really enjoying that and humbled by how aerobic it is and how these women who are all like mostly like 20 years older than me are just like rocking it out and I'm really tired and they're not. I'm like, wow, okay, I want to be like you. So that's fun. Another thing is this book called Unbound by Kasha Urbaniak. Have you heard of this book? She is a Taoist nun and a dominatrix. And so she is talking about women and their power in this really interesting way. She has this very sophisticated understanding of women and their power and how the conditioning has impacted our voice and our ability to be people of influence in the world. And we should be, women should be of influence in the world in a big way. It is kind of exploding my brain. I've listened to it twice now, and it's just helping me understand like, The stuff that gets in the way of me just having a powerful desire. There's a lot about desire in there. And then making requests and saying no and all the things that sound very ordinary, but getting in a real energetic alignment around my own worthiness and my own voice so that, yeah, so that I am living in in a more powerful kind of congruent way with like my being. One of the things I always wanted to ask you is it feels to me, and this may be complete social media projection, that you go exploring a lot, that you make time to go out with your camera and go out for wonder walks and mm. um, so many of the other ideas in the book, Wonder Seeker. How do you make time for that and manage your business and making enough money and your boys? I was chatting with, I, I lead circles of women throughout the week. And one of the things we talk about is like, gosh, you remember in your twenties when you would just wander, like you'd go to a city and you'd be by yourself and you would just wander 
wander around the city. Gosh, we don't get to wander anymore, right? Like we have families and like, we're trying to make these like vacations where all that kind of stuff. I think just those simple walks with my camera, like I described earlier are one way that I just, I wander. There's these hidden staircases all over the Bay area. And I have these books where it's like, okay, I'm going to go on a hidden staircase walk today in a new neighborhood. So stuff like that. Again, the novelty thing, it's like, you know, just get off the beaten path a little bit. Like, okay, like what's a trail I've never gone to? What's a restaurant I've never seen? Let's walk around that. Like, let's go to a drive-in movie, like whatever it is, but just being a little bit playful. I don't think I have like a really abnormally interesting life, but I am very easily delighted by the world. And I think that's what I, one of the things I'm trying to teach in my book is like, you don't have to go to Hawaii or Machu Picchu or whatever to experience wonder. Mm. It's really a state of mind. And it's a kind of attention that we can put on very ordinary things that are right in front of us. I always have a last question. I don't know if you have a last question you ask your guests, but my last question is always, what do you want to learn next? (laughs) What I want to learn is about crows. I have been noticing crows a lot lately. They've just been really getting my attention. And I've always heard like, oh, they're really smart or, oh, they have this really sophisticated way that they move in the world. And so I want to learn about crows. It's very random. There's no purpose to it, but I'm curious about it. Learning things we're curious about is, is the theme of this conversation. Yes. <laughs> so it's, perfect. it's perfect. Yeah. And I kind and, of love that it has no purpose. There's and we no need reason. so much more of that because wonder doesn't have a purpose. If it has a purpose, then you kill it before it can make you wonder. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. One of the questions that I used to ask my podcast, I guess, and you're reminding me, I haven't asked it a long time. is like, what are some of your superpowers? Oh, from your superpower work. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I think my superpower has always been tenacity, not been the smartest person in the room or the sharpest tool in the shed or whatever, Uh (laughs) but I'm stubborn and tenacious. Mm. But I think I want to develop a new superpower as I turn towards the big 6-0 later this year. I don't know what it would be, Andrea, maybe the superpower of... And maybe being ravenous, I'll borrow that from Heather. Not sure. Maybe it may be listening. It may Mm -hmm. be something about, I feel like something about being a little bit more fully expressed or outrageous. Mm. Yeah, but it's got a big energy to it. It's got freedom. It has wildness. I feel it. I like feel what you're, you're reaching for. I like that. Thank you. This is so fun. Love, love, love catching up and everybody pick up a copy of Wonder Seeker, 52 Ways to Wake Up Your Creativity and Find Your Joy and pair it with Why Bother? Discover the Desire for What's Next and you will be unstoppable, (laughs) unbound, whatever wild, whatever word we want. I love it. And I love just those two questions are great to leave the listeners with as well. It's like, what do you want to learn that's like practical or not? What do you feel curious about? And what's a superpower you either have or want to cultivate? I think the one I want to cultivate right now is being someone who is capable of the most, I want to say, extravagantly joyful partnership, a lover, like the best lover. That's oh, my new superpower. Yum. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you. you. Such a pleasure. Full confession. While Andrea was talking about novelty and just going for walks in different places and hidden staircases in the Bay Area, this was the dialogue in my head. 
Really? Okay, that's because you live in the Bay Area. There's nothing like that around me. I live on the plains. I mean, I look at the Rockies, but I mean, right away, an example of how we shut down our own desires. We say, that's not possible. That's not around me. It's not the same where I live as the Bay Area, but that doesn't mean there's not all kinds of things to explore. Stores that I've never gone to, alleys in Old Town Longmont I've never walked down. Who knows? Can you imagine? So that's my takeaway. What's your takeaway? My takeaway is a novelty experience every week. Julia Cameron called them artist dates, this idea that you went and did something to fill up your creative well. And I'll be totally honest, I suck at it. I am such a creature of habit. I know I've talked about this ad nauseum, how I like to box myself up. But you know, I want to be an example to you of we can practice our patterns. We can practice doing something different. So what's your takeaway? I hope you'll text a friend and share it with them and share this episode and help us grow because this uh, this podcast is a labor of love and I'd love to have more people listen to it and get their creativity inspired. Speaking of a labor of love, I've got one more episode for you this season. We went quite a bit longer than we did in our first season. It's a solo episode and we'll be back with that surprise next week. And then I'm going to take a break. And guess what? I'm going to go to Italy with my husband. Fingers crossed, COVID and all that. And the creek don't rise, my grandma said. We're going to take a three-week vacation in Italy. He has never been before. And we're going to fly into Venice. And then we are going to go up to the Dolomites after a couple of days and spend a week hiking and running and because that's Bob's thing and I also love it and then we're going to go down to Umbria because I just want to say it over and over again Umbria 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 and we're going to eat and um, look at art and if you listen to the episode with Eve Rodsky I'm definitely going to be exploring my passion my playfulness my unicorn space that's her term around archaeology because there's several underground tours in Umbria and tons of, of course, Roman and other even more ancient ruins. So I'm going to be doing some reading and exploring that and uh, maybe I'll be able to come back and do that solo episode. I promised you. So we'll be taking a break, but in the meantime, you can still help us grow by sharing this on social media. Wherever you listen to your podcast, there's always just a little tiny square with an arrow. And if you click on that, it's really easy to share with friends and really easy to share on social media. All right. In the meantime, create out loud. See you next week.